It is true. He is here. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus said, All authority or power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And he went on to say, Lo, I, the one who has all authority and power, am with you always, even unto the end of this world. Amen. And we're glad that the Lord Jesus Christ is here. Uh, he was here. He walked upon this earth for 33 and a half years. He came. He was born. We're going to celebrate his coming here soon in our Christmas season. But he did not come to this earth to be worshipped as little baby Jesus. He came as little baby Jesus so that he could die on the cross for your sins yeah. and mine. And he left. He told his disciples in John 14, 15, 16, and 17, I have to go because there's another just like me, and that is the Spirit of Christ that did come so that he would not leave us nor forsake us. He would abide with us forever. You say, I don't know much about that that you're talking about. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ was encountered on a number of times by individuals who knew the Bible, but they did not know what it meant. They knew theory, but they did not know by experience the person and work of Jesus Christ. And such was the case in John chapter 3, if you have that. I invite you to stand with me, please, out of respect for the reading and the preaching of God's Word. John chapter number 3 and verse number 1. The Bible says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same or the same man <clears throat> came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Amen. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. I want to preach a very simple message this morning entitled, Man's Greatest Need, What Everybody Needs, What You Need to Be Born Again. Thank you. Please be seated. It was April 14, 1912, that the Titanic left Southampton, England on its maiden voyage to New York's harbor. This floating palace consisted of over 2,500 passengers and had some of the most elite things placed on that, that floating vessel. The Titanic was a ship that was declared as one that not even God himself could sink. But as you and I are well aware that three quarters of a way into its maiden voyage, it encountered a deceptively large iceberg. And within hours, it plunged a couple of miles and rest over two miles below the icy water. The tragedy on board the Titanic was not that nearly 1,500 people lost their lives. The tragedy to me aboard the Titanic and surrounding that event was that nearly 1,500 people lost their lives who did not have to do so. 
On four distinct occasions, the Titanic was warned by a lesser and stature ship, the ship California. They received warnings of distress to proceed with caution. There were dangers lurking the icebergs. The Titanic ignored, and on one last final occasion, the Titanic, after receiving the message of warning, responded with four words. Shut up. Shut up. And they turned the radio off. You hear me, you have the right, God made you with free will and choice. You have a right to choose what to do with Jesus. But you do not have a right and you do not have the freedom nor the power to choose the consequences of your choice. The Bible tells us very clear that God so loved the world in this same chapter, verse 16. The Bible tells us in this same chapter that Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but rather that the world might be saved. Why? Because he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Lord Jesus loves you because that's who he is. 1 John chapter 4 verse 8, God is love. See, love is not God, but God is love. And if you ever want to know genuine love, you've got to know genuinely God. This man by the name of Nicodemus, the Bible describes him as a Pharisee. He was the Pharisee of the Pharisee, meaning he was the most religious individual of that day. He was a leader of the most religious group of people. Now, Pharisees were those who knew the law and they did everything they could to keep the law. 613 plus laws these Pharisees knew by heart. They could tell you the code, they could tell you the page number, and they could tell you inside and out about that law. And so the Pharisees, they were law keepers, and they were law observers. They were also men that would fast, meaning they'd go without eating a couple times a week. And so they would spend their time in, in very diligent, disciplined religion. They would wear Bible verses stitched into their clothing or sometimes around their head. These were Pharisees. Nicodemus is the Pharisee of the Pharisee, one of the most religious men of that day. He's also not only a religious man, but he's a ruler of the Jews. Being a ruler of the Jews <clears throat> meant that there was a great measure of respect given to Nicodemus. So he's a religious man. He's a respected man. Being a ruler of the Jews in the days of Jesus, in Bible times 2,000 years ago, they were men that had money. They, they were men, men who would have had some kind of, of weight in the society. So they uh, were men that were looked up to, not just because of what they knew, but be also because of what they had. So Nicodemus would be safe to say, <clears throat> he's a religious man, he's a respected man, he's a rich man. This same man, the Bible tells us, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. He waits till no one else is around. He comes to Jesus and he makes a compliment to Jesus. He said, you must be from God. Nobody can do the things that you do except God be with you. You know what Jesus did? He didn't even say thank you. Jesus looked him in the eyeballs and he said, you need to be born again. 
He said, you'll not see heaven, you'll not enter heaven unless you've been born from above. Nicodemus was perplexed. Here's a religious man. And he said, how can I be born when I'm old? Shall I go back into my mother's womb a second time and be born? And Jesus described, you're talking about flesh. That which is of flesh is flesh. Jesus says, I'm talking about that which is of the spirit. And he says again, don't get overwhelmed by this thought. Don't miss what I'm saying, Jesus says. You must be born again. You must be born again. See, when the Bible talks about birth, it refers to a couple different births because it describes a couple of different lives. Earthly birth is how you got here. I'm looking at people who have birth dates. Some of you haven't been around very long. Some of you have been. I still was waiting for Captain LeBee when he was recognizing the veterans, asking which ones may have served for the Union Army or the Confederate Army, and um, none of those stood up. But I'm so glad, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to just keep using this as long as they're around, but I'm so thankful for our 93 years old, young, I should say, veterans. Dr. Childs here on the front row and Brother Weimer there on the third row, 93 years young, and uh, we can still honor them. But we each have a birth date. Some of you may be, you can't remember what it is, but you still have one. That's how you got here. Jesus wasn't talking about physical birth because he's, that's already happened. So that's why he says you must be born again. And he says, I'm talking about something spiritual. He says the spiritual birth is not how you get here. That's physical. Spiritual birth is how you're going to get to him. And so he describes that which is of the flesh is flesh. You didn't have anything to do with that. You didn't have any say-so. You didn't choose where you'd be born, what you'd look like. You didn't choose who your parents would be. You didn't choose what country. You didn't have a choice. But Jesus says to Nicodemus, when it comes to the spiritual birth, you have a say-so. You can vote yes for Jesus. You vote no. Somebody says, I'm not going to vote against Jesus. Well, until you say yes, it is a no. Until you say yes to Jesus, it is a no. And so therefore, he says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Now, why must Nicodemus be born again? Why should you be born again? Now, when he says again, please don't think he's talking about over and over and over and over again. How many times were you born into this world? Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 27 um, it is appointed unto man once to die. After this, the judgment. You're born once, you're going to die once. There's a one-time physical birth you and I have. I don't celebrate my birthdays, I celebrate my birthday. One time you came in to, to this world. One time you're born spiritually into the, uh, the family of God. Jesus died one time. He was buried one time. He was resurrected one time. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a one-time event. June 7th, 1997, 
One time I said, I do. My wife said, I do. The preacher said, we did. One time. And I'm thankful that when it comes to the new birth, all it takes is one time to be birthed into God's family. But why did Nicodemus need to be born again? The same reason you and I need to be born again. It's because we have a condition that's bad. What is the condition? It's called sin. See, our greatest problem is not uh, where we were born, which side of the tracks we were on. It's called sin. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, Christ died for our sin. Somebody said, but what you call sin may not be sin to me. That's true. But what God calls sin, it's sin every single time. 1 John chapter 3 says sin is the transgression or the breaking of God's law. Anytime you take one of God's laws, whether you know it or not, and you step over, you transgress that, it is called sin. You can be going through a town you've never been to before, and you can be pulled over by a police officer who said, don't you know, the speed limit is 25, you're going 45. You said, I didn't see it. it he, whether he shows you mercy or not is up to him, but it makes no difference if they design, there is a law enforcement there, there is a posted uh, speed limit, and whether you recognize it or not, you transgress that speed limit. God has laws all throughout. The most familiar laws are the ones we know to be the 10 commandments. Not 10 good ideas, but the 10 commandments. Let me just hit a few. Commandment number three. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. In fact, God went on to say, if there's any commandment you don't want to violate, it's commandment number three. In fact, he uses a double emphasis here that if anyone violates commandment number three, you certainly will be guilty. Why? Because there's something holy and special about the name of God. Isaiah 6 and verse 3, one angel cries unto another saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. See, some people think well, as a church, it ought to be emphasizing love, mercy, and grace. That's true. God is a God of love. He does extend mercy. You have been shown grace. But you'll never know God's love, mercy, and grace until you understand God is holy. And God's name, according to Acts 4 and verse 12, is a name which is above every name. It's the only name by which you can find salvation. You can call unto Buddha. You can call unto Allah. But they'll never be able to wash your sins away. They will never give you eternal life. There's no guarantee. I've spoken to many a one who's in Islam, many a one who's in Buddhism. They can never know. They can never know. Are you listening? They can never know, not just those two religions. Every religion of the world can never know whether they have right now forgiveness of sins and eternal life. They hope so. They're working to that end. Why? Because there's no other name that can give you salvation and the knowledge and assurance by which you can be saved other than the name of Jesus. His name is Jesus. 
Matthew says he came to save his people from their sin. And so God takes very serious this matter of how we treat his name. Philippians chapter 2 says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that he is Lord. He's just given us an opportunity to do it now by choice rather than being at the time of judgment being made to bow when you don't have another chance. Why does God say don't violate commandment number three? It's because it has to do with the name that will save you from your sins. It's the name of the one that will birth you into the family of Almighty God. Yet, commandment number three is the one that's broken most often, it seems, in our workplace, in our homes. Somebody stubs their toe and they say, oh my, and they plug in God's name. Sometimes the very same people who say they don't believe in Him. But they'll take His name, fling it through the air. Commandment number three. Commandment number five says, honor thy father and thy mother. Well, isn't that one misunderstood in today's society? Honor thy father and thy mother. God goes on to talk about it in the New Testament as well so that you'll have a very blessed and prosperous life. You want to live life and experience the fullest? Learn to obey and honor. Honor is different than obedience. Obedience is doing what you're told to do. Honoring is doing it with the right attitude. Honor. Yeah. Commandment number seven says don't commit adultery. Sometimes people say, well, I, I can't commit adultery because that's what married people do. Adultery is only for those who are married. Well, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 that adultery is also when a man looks upon a woman to lust after her. He's guilty of committing adultery with her already in his heart. See, the fact of the matter is this matter of sex, it was not created in a laboratory somewhere by some junior high kid. God Almighty created it. Amen. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 13 says, Marriage is honorable in all. The bed is even undefiled. I love the King James language there. Marriage is honorable. God created it. The bedroom and marriage, the bounds of marriage, is God's idea. But God has an opinion about what you do with His law. Hebrews 13 says, But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. You say, it's my body, I do whatever I want to do. Well, how long is your body going to live here upon this earth? When are you going to take your last breath? You don't know, do you? Then what? 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. He that committeth fornication is a sin against his own body. See, we get concerned about the, the results of our uh, living loose. We're concerned, why doesn't the government come up with an answer to the, the problem of, of uh, the promiscuous lifestyle, free love? Well, it's not that free after all. What, what, when's the government going to fix it so that we don't have ramifications for our sinful choices? Well, God came up with a remedy long ago. Marriage is honorable and all the bed is undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God said, I'll judge. We've only hit in three laws so far. How are you doing? You know, there are 613 of these. 
You say, well, I just think you're making a big deal about nothing. I want to tell you what you may think is not a big deal. Put Jesus on the cross. If I put him on the cross, I say it's a big deal. Amen. Yeah, Amen. sure is. The truth is, you can laugh your way into hell. You'll never laugh your way out. I'd be careful before I ever mock a sin that put Jesus on the cross. Amen. See, Nicodemus needed to be born again just like I did and just like you do because we have a sin problem. How do you know that I'm a sinner preacher? Because the Bible says so. Romans 3, 23, all have sin. Last time I checked in the dictionary, all means all, and that's all of what all means. You have a sin problem. Yeah, it, it's not a disease. No one misses heaven because of a disease. You will miss heaven because of a sin. It's not the number of your sin. It's not the name of your sin. Someone says, well, I, I haven't committed the, the, the dirty dozen. I haven't committed the top ten. I haven't committed the, the ugly three. Well, it's not just the, the names of the sin. It's because of the sin nature that we have. See, the reason why some people have certain features is because it's part of their genes. It's because that's their nature. That's how they were, that's the way their parents were. They got that from their parents. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, we got our sin nature. We inherited it from our parents who inherited it from their parents. And we can trace it and you can try to pull it up on uh, the family tree programs and, and you can do your, your, your genealogy and you'll find the Bible already states where we get our sin sin problem from goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. And so Nicodemus needed to be born again, so do you and I, because we have a sin problem. The other reason why Nicodemus needed to be born again is because God gave him the say-so. See, the fact is, the Lord Jesus has come and he came so that you and I could have the gift of salvation. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you were a guest and you came in, perhaps someone said, here's a gift. Here's a gift bag. Here's something we like to give you, a green bag. And uh, if you said, no, I don't want the green bag, that's fine. They will keep the $500 gift card that was placed in there. And they'll give it to someone else. If you got the green gift bag, don't worry about going through it because you won't find it while sitting there. And, uh, but it, it's just the idea. You get a gift. And when you get a gift on your birthday, you get a gift at Christmas, sitting around with your family or friends, and they say, hey, I've got a gift. And they hand, hand you a wrapped up gift. You don't go, oh, oh, yes, yes, thank you for reminding me, and pull out your wallet and pay for it. If you do, it's not a gift. Yeah, some of you fathers, you think, that's what I do every Christmas. I've paid for every one of these. But so did God the Father. He sent His only begotten Son who shed His blood on the cross for your sin. It's a gift. And Nicodemus needed to be born again because his religion was not enough. See, the difference of what Jesus is preaching and what we're finding in our society and has been around for thousands of years is a major difference. It's the difference of where you'll spend an eternity, but it's not only a difference of where you'll spend an eternity after you take your last breath, but it's the difference between relationship with Jesus, knowing him now and knowing about him, religion. He didn't die on the cross so you and I could have religion. He died on the cross for our sins so that we could have a relationship. 
Nicodemus was a religious man, but he had no relationship with Jesus. Jesus Christ came that you could have a relationship with him. He had to make that choice. Let me ask you, was there ever a time where you knew sin was your problem? Hell was the consequence. Jesus was the answer. Someone said you, you, you threw hell in there. Well, because the Bible describes hell. Do you know that Jesus preached more on hell than he did on heaven? Sometimes people tell me, I'll tell you what hell is, preacher. It's what I'm living through right now here upon earth. If what you're going through you think is hell, wait till you find what God describes to be real hell. See, hell is more than a four-letter cuss word. Hell is a real place. There is no heaven if there is no hell. Jesus preached more on hell and he warned people, don't reject Jesus and go to hell. The hottest and the hardest message I ever read came from the lips of Jesus in Luke 16 in which he talked about a good rich man who died and he died and went to hell. He didn't go to hell because he was rich. He went to hell because he wasn't prepared. Revelation 20 and verse number 15 tells us that death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. Whosoever is not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I fly often. I've got some flights coming up. You know, I can't get on a plane unless my name is on the register. And I can look at it on my app and I can look at my Delta app and see my name, my ticket. I even see my seat number. When I get there, they will show my name and they say, you can get on here. I got to scan it. I got to show an ID. I got to do all those things just to get on a, on a flight. And yet people think, well, certainly God, if he's loving, he would let me into heaven. If God is so loving, why would he not let me into heaven? That's the wrong question. The right question is, if God is so loving and he is, why wouldn't you say yes to the greatest gift that you've ever been given so you can go to heaven? Amen. See, Revelation 21, 27 tells us heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Good people don't go to heaven. Only prepared people do. Those who made a reservation. That's what Jesus said, said to Nicodemus. You, you must be prepared. You must be born again. Nicodemus is saying, how do I do it? You don't. Jesus does. How does that happen? Well, you've got to recognize sin is the problem. Hell's a consequence. Jesus is your answer. Someone says, well, I, I, I understand I've got sin according to the Bible. I understand that there's a consequence for sin. Jesus preached more on hell than he did on heaven. And he warned people, don't go to hell. I don't want my sin. I don't want to go to hell. And you're saying, you say, preacher, that Jesus is the only way. No, 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 no. Jesus said he's the only way. And there's a big difference. I'm just telling you what he says to be true. And if you want to experience forgiveness of all of your sins, past sins, today's sins, and even future sins. You want eternal life. You want a place in heaven. You want a place in God's family. You want to have more than religion. You want a relationship. Then you're going to have to understand what God says, agree with what God says. Then you have to take the gift and place your dependence upon he and he only. In other words, the Bible teaches us Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, Romans 10, 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be 
saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin, saved from hell, the very thing that Jesus died on the cross for. See, when you are tired of religion, you want a relationship with God, don't argue with him, agree with him. I don't think I need to be saved. You can't go to heaven then. Because only the ones who recognize I need to be saved are the ones Jesus came to save. Who are the ones who need to be saved? All of us. But He's not going to force you. He's not going to make you. He loves you too much. But when God's Spirit deals within you and there's a tug in your heart and you know that what God says is true and you say, I don't want my sin and I don't want to go to hell. I need Jesus. Call. What does it mean to call? Romans 10, 14, the next verse says, to call means to believe. Place your dependence upon. See, a lot of people will sit there and say, oh, oh, I I believe, I've always believed in God. And what they mean by that a lot of times is, I understand who he is. I, I, I agree that there's a God in heaven. But the Bible word for believe is more than understanding and agreeing. Abraham Lincoln Preacher, you know him? I I believe Abraham Lincoln. I understand he was a president. I agree. But here's the big difference. In order to be saved, you've got to use the Bible. The Bible exercise of faith. The Bible exercise of faith is more than understanding, more than agreeing. It's depending upon. I can go to the Atlanta airport, go to my terminal... And I can say all day long, I believe that airplane will take me from Atlanta all the way to New York City. Well, I don't want to go there. From Atlanta all the way to Chicago. No, I don't want to go to Chicago there. I'll get shot. Um, I I want to go from Atlanta to, to Orlando and get to Disney World. All right. And so I can sit there and say, I believe, I believe it'll get me there. Mr. Ingram, will you get on the plane? Not yet. What are, you, what are you waiting on? I'm just, I, just, I, just, I just want to make sure. Well, I assure you, Mr. Ingram, the plane is safe. I understand that. That's belief. Do you want us to show you the safety logs and the manuals? Yes, I would. See, everything is complied with and everything is, is up to code. I agree with that. That's belief. But Bible belief is get on the plane. Years ago, a famous tightrope walker by the name of Blondine stretched a cable from one side of the Niagara Falls to the other. He dazzled the crowd with all kinds of feats. I've seen this picture, this black and white picture of what I'm telling you. Blondine, without a safety net or harness or cable, got out on that cable between uh, over the raging waters of the, the, the Niagara Falls. And, and he would do all kinds of things and dazzle the crowd. But one day he said, how many of you believe that I can carry a man in a wheelbarrow from one side to the other. Well, unanimously, they all raised their hand. Yes, I believe Blondine can. They saw Blondine take out a stovetop oven and balance himself in the oven. They saw him do all kinds of things. Yes, I believe Blondine can. He pointed at one man and said, you, sir, in the wheelbarrow. Well, the man figured out Blondine's pointing at him, so what did he do? Pulled his hand out of the air, and he bolted the opposite direction. That's what he did. Why? Because he understood Blondine could. He agreed that Blondine could, but he was not exercising Bible faith of depending upon Blondine too. See, the fact of the matter is, I said it earlier, every one of us, we're believing something. 
You're believing the seat upon which you're sitting to keep you up. You get into your vehicle, you're going to put a certain amount of faith there. Some people, unfortunately, believe everything that Google has to say. My kids are convinced if Siri says it, that settles it. I asked Will the other day, Will, where is Daddy's phone? He said, ask Google. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well... It's not until we get in the wheelbarrow. It's not until we put our faith, trust, dependence upon Jesus. There's coming a time where you won't have this invitation. You came here because somebody invited you. You came here because you had some agenda. Some came here because of the meal afterwards. Some came here because of family. I'm going to tell you why everybody's here. God's looking for you. But there will come a time because death is no respecter of persons. Death did not care that he was the most famous president at the time in 1963 when it came for JFK. Death did not care that he was the great and famous Steve Jobs. That we can credit our intelligent iPhone to when it came for him because of pancreatic cancer. Death did not care that her name was Princess Diana in 1997 because death is no respecter of persons. Death did not say, well, that's Kobe Bryant in January of 2020. Maybe we should pass over him. Death is no respecter of persons. You go to many a tombstone, you see a start date and an end date and in between's a dash. And that dash, according to James 4, is but for a brief time. And the decision you make with Jesus will determine what he does with you for an eternity. And every time somebody says, I appreciate what you said. I'm not ready to make a decision now. I need to inform you, you just made your decision. I wouldn't leave here without getting it settled. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2 says, now's the day of salvation. Isaiah 1.18, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be made as wool. Now's the time. Why? Because you don't know how many breaths you have left. In Luke 16, the man that I mentioned earlier who died went to hell. He had five brothers. He pled with Abraham through which he was able to communicate. And he said, would you send somebody to go tell my brothers, don't come here. And the Bible says, as Jesus preached that message, he explained that if you're not willing to listen to the authority of the Bible, what God has to say, because he loves you, he's shooting straight with you, you wouldn't listen if somebody came from hell this morning, stood before us and said, listen, I've been there, don't go. Listen, friend. We're not talking about religion. You can join this church and still miss Jesus. Religion says, here's what I'm trying to do. That's why I said a moment ago, there's no religion in all the world who can ever say, 
I am right now 100% certain all of my sins are forgiven. Past sins, today's sins, and future sins. I right now have eternal life. I am 100% sure now, and if I live five more years, I'll be 100% sure every day for the next five years. Why? Because religion says if you're going to get forgiveness of sin, if you're going to get forgiveness, if you're going to have your sins forgiven, if you're going to get eternal life, if you're going to have a home in heaven, it hinges upon you doing the very best you can do. And my question is always, how much have you done? And their answer is, I don't know. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 11. Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden. Jesus says, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, Jesus said, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Religion is all about what you do. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. That's a relationship. It's all about what Jesus does. Would you bow with me, please? Heads bowed and eyes closed. No one looking.